All right, welcome back to uh, Stay Positive, P Negative. This is Eddie Carlston, and I'm here to introduce Randy and Ryan. Uh, Rand, Ryan, I've never even met Ryan before. I don't even know if I've ever seen you before. Yeah, no, I think it's the first time. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, it's a pleasure, though. Appreciate it. Um, I actually heard him talk a little bit in the office, so, uh, you know, it sounds to me like he's, he's definitely got some knowledge and wisdom that he needs to put on air, I feel like, anyway. What do you think about it, Pete? I like it. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'm back with Pete. Y'all remember Pete? We uh, did an interview together. Uh, Pete's going to kind of help me direct this thing for today, and we're just going to go from there. So, uh, Randy, it's on you, buddy. All righty. Uh, well, my name's Randy, and uh, I'm in recovery. Uh, I mean, I don't, <clears throat> we don't have to go too far back, but, uh, you know, about 18 years old, I... Uh, I got a job at a grocery store, and I didn't really have any direction in my life. Uh, and I stayed with that company for, for 10 years. And, um, you know, at first I just, uh, you know, I came from a, an Irish household, so it was kind of, you know, a badge of honor to drink. And, um, you know, it just, uh, it progressed, and it got worse and worse. And, um, you know, I like to, uh, I, I just like to party. And then it got to the point where I started to uh, to break away from that. And um, I always had these rules, you know, like I'll never be that guy who closes down the bar. I'll, uh, I'll never be that guy that, uh, you know, just drinks on his day off at 7 a.m. I'll never. And, and, you know, I always ended up being that guy. Every For every single one of those, I ended up being that guy. And... Um, you know, it just, it was, it was my social lubricant because, you know, naturally I'm awkward and uh, it's just, uh, it helped me to get along with life. Um, it, it, it stopped, it stopped being just uh, fun and it started to be my solution to life. You know, my just, it was the one thing, it was really my best friend, you know, for, for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, I... I ended up losing the job that I had for 10 years, um, and it got worse, and I just I started isolating even more, drinking, um, wouldn't answer any phone calls, and uh, from there, naturally, I ran out of money and lost my apartment, and uh, from there, I just, I didn't have any direction. I was, I was completely lost, didn't know where to go, and a buddy of mine, he, uh, I partied with him a lot. Um, he's one of my oldest friends. We, we became really close in high school. And he was up in, uh, in Washington State growing uh, medical marijuana. And, uh, you know, he, he told me that, uh, that I could go up there and stay with him if, uh, if I'd take care of the farm, if I'd help him with the crop. Hmm. And uh, I didn't have a job. I didn't have any direction. I said, all right, count me in. So I, I packed up everything I had and I... I drove up there and, um, you know, I thought that maybe just, uh, maybe just change of scenery. You know, I thought maybe it'd be different this time. I'd go up there and I'd, uh, I'd stop drinking so much and just, you know, smoke a little bit and uh, things would be different, you know. And uh, I go up there and I'll never forget, <clears throat> you know, it was always my idea to go get beer and whatnot. And I remember him calling me out for popping a top at like 9 a.m. Mm. And, uh, That's late for me. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of holding back. Uh, 
But you know, it, it just progressively got worse and it got to a point where uh, we moved from Washington State to Oregon. And um, anyway, long story short, he was gonna move one more time and I had had a couple different jobs that he, he had really hooked me up with and I'd stopped going because I had enough money to, to drink for a while and that's so I quit the job. Mm -hmm. And it just got to a point where he said, uh, I'm gonna move, uh, I don't have room for you. Mm. And uh, I didn't really know what to do. So needless to say, I helped him move out of the house and I can remember being in this house that was absolutely empty with nothing in it but my room. I just had a bed and a, and a computer and a couple little things here and there, a mattress. And um, I had nowhere else to go. And uh, he's, he's still one of my best friends to this day. He loved me enough to, to buy me a plane ticket back down to, to, uh, to Texas. You know, this is, this is my home. And uh, you know, mama, she'd still take me oh, in. Yeah. I, hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't burned that bridge. And uh, my mom said that I could live with her as long as I attended two meetings a day. And um, so anyway, um, I came down here and, you know, I couldn't stay sober for a while. And I uh, was living my, with my folks and I, did, I still didn't have any direction, you know. Um, I wanted to want to quit drinking, um, but I wasn't to that point. And I, my, <clears throat> my moment of clarity, and I still remember it so well, I had been drinking and uh, hiding the cans from my parents, and she knew, of course. Um, and she looked at me one day, it was, it was after she had taken me to a new meeting, and uh, she looks at me and she says, Randy, you can't keep doing this. And for whatever reason, it stuck. And I think, uh, I think something happened to me then. Um, I started to listen. And, you know, I was white-knuckling it, um, but I stayed sober, and that's my sobriety date, uh, May 14, 2017. Wow. And uh, about three weeks later, my mom tells, because she, she goes to, to Pack Saddle Church, and she tells me about this, <clears throat> this recovery house, you know, that, that might be opening. And uh, I, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool, you know, just kind of shoving it off to the side, and... Um, she keeps talking about it and talking about it, and she's like, I want to get you an application. Will you fill it out? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll check it out, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, anyway, Robert comes by, meets me, and gives me this, you know, this stack, this 24, 27-page application. I fill it out, and, uh, I think it was about a week and a half later, I, I walked into the Joshua house. Um... Before it was actually even open, I, I helped move the, the old fridge in there. And um, I can remember walking into it, and it was, it was mostly empty. And they had a party with um, all the, the church pastors of this area. And I remember walking in, everybody was there praying over the house. And, you know, it was, it was moving. Um, it, was, it was, I don't know, just uh, seeing everybody there. Um, it was it was inspiring. It really was. Um, so I came into the house, and you know, I was I was basically alone. You know, I was like the first guy here, and it was really weird at first. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Robert. You know, he's uh, one of my my spiritual advisors. Um, 
And you know, one of the one of the rules to the house <coughs> is you got to move forward um, in your recovery. Um, you know, I, I uh, it taught me how to get out of self. Um, I got a sponsor, and I mean, that's the the whole relationship with him is. You know, I could go on for another hour about that. Um, but I, 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 he was at my first meeting, the very first meeting I went to. I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, my sponsor was there, and he chaired it. Um, and uh, the only word that I really remembered it was was God. And, uh, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't too big a fan of it. But I called my uncle, who uh, has been sober about. 23 years and he said he he just kind of laughed a little bit which I didn't I didn't like too much and uh, he just said take what you can use leave the rest and keep coming back and uh, advice, man. Like <laughs> yeah I, like I didn't I didn't really yeah. like it all that much it wasn't the answer <laughs> I, I was looking it. for I was looking for the easier way out you know we all do indeed um, but man I, I started meeting with my sponsor on a on a weekly basis and um, you know, things things just uh, started happening, and um, before you know it, you know, I was I was three months sober, and I was, you know, working the, the steps of recovery, and uh, you know, we'd go grocery shopping once a week, and and I can remember loading all the groceries into the van, uh, and I realized that I had gone through that HEB, and I hadn't even thought about the beer. Because I go into that Kingsland HEB and, you know, I autopilot. Because I'd party in this town for, for years before I got here. Uh, lived here anyway. And um, I realized that uh, something had happened to me. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't quite know what, you know. But uh, from that point forward, you know, I was in. I was in. Um, and the, the wonderful thing about this house is that, yes, there are rules, but... Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're all rules to better yourself, to make you a, a better human being, to, to get you out of self, to, to help others without asking for anything in return. Um, and, and, you know, it's just, it's such a, it's a special place to me. I did, you know, my four step on this table right here. Matter of fact, this table came from, uh, this, this table came from my parents' house. Um, That's cool. Yeah. I believe this is the one. Is there a burn mark on one of these corners? Uh, well, this this part of the table is missing. It came off while I was here, actually. So <coughs> anyway, probably the burn so. mark in. Yeah, probably <laughs> so. Um, but anyway, I mean, this place just has a, a special place in my heart. And, uh, you know, before you know it, um, I've got a year sober, and I'm, I'm still in the house. And, uh, you know, life starts to, starts to get good, you know. Um, I'm in recovery, I'm going to meetings, I'm staying busy, and uh, I, the best part about it is that uh, I wake up every day and I don't think about taking a drink. I mean, that's the bottom line. For a hopeless drunk like me, mm. to wake up and not have that, that monkey on my back and, and, you know, I'm free. That's the hope right there. You know, um, going through the steps of recovery, I was able to take off those ankle weights, those 100-pound ankle weights, and I can look people in the eye. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I'm free. I'm free today. Um, you, uh, you mentioned something about when you were, uh, you were in the Kingsland HEB and you realized that 
you hadn't even thought about going to the beer aisle. Do you think that that was around the first time maybe you had a psychic that psychic change that we've talked about that, that that's talked about in the programs and maybe, absolutely yeah that like, is that when you first realized that it was your first time you ever had a real psychic change of yeah, you know, yeah. that was that was when I first noticed that I hadn't noticed the beer you know yeah because yeah. uh, that that couldn't happen to a guy like me oh yeah. yeah. Or that like can, any of us. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds to me like you actually re replaced your bad habits with good habits that actually turned into a psych change. Yeah. That the program may have talked about. Yeah. Let's talk about, you know. Um, I actually heard a couple things that you mentioned that relates to, to my story, maybe even so, so many other people, is you went from the party animal, right? I drank to be a party animal. It made me, I like that word social lube. <laughs> that's a good one yeah. I, I, it's, yeah it lubes me up socially too <laughs> I guess it made me a social butterfly it gave me liquid courage liquid balls and uh, I was able to say and do things that I wouldn't normally do but later on like you said it's a progressive illness for you as well and as it progressed for me that social lube was a little too much lube and it got me into places that I didn't really need to be in <laughs> you know what I mean um, anyway and then I, I I noticed you said something about you medicated yourself with weed at one point. Um, how'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it didn't work, huh? No, not so much. I can, I can remember I actually smoked before I drank. And I mainly did it because I was hanging out with these group of guys. Uh, and that's, that's what they did. And I can, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, but I can also, it, it kind of, you know, I mean, it was the gateway to alcohol because right. I remember taking that first sip of alcohol and I was like, this is it. This is the stuff. This is the bee's knees. This is what it's all about. I have arrived, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, that's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. Um, but, you know, it was, it was, it was always right there with me. The, the weed was, no doubt. Yeah. I also had a question about that because I wrote something down about the weed. Um, when you were living up north and you were helping your buddy who was farming it, um, you actually mentioned that you were planning on just smoking weed to get off the booze or something, like almost like a substitution, you know, from weed for booze, like compromising. Yeah. When did you realize that that wasn't going to work? Oh, like, I don't even think I lasted 48 hours. <laughs> I don't even think. Yeah. I mean, because I can remember, because I got up there, I drove up there, and... Um, he had left like this big old bag and a and a bong right there and uh uh he lived like at the the top of this big old hill and I was like, Man, I got all the fixings right here. Um and I, I can't remember, but I don't think it took me long to go down that hill and, and go to the corner store and buy a bunch of beer. I mean yeah. it's just I couldn't have one without the I other. I was fixing to say, I never could have one without uh, the yeah, other. I, mean, I get just, caught in mouth. You know I, remember, I, mean? I remember compromising <laughs> like that. All right, so like, you know, I was prescribed Xanax for all those years because I used to have panic attacks, especially in the morning. Of course, it didn't. I, it took me a long time to realize the panic attacks were from alcohol. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was prescribed Xanax for like, for like 12 years. And I remember those days where I'm like, well... I'm only drinking because I'm an awkward misfit, and that, it gets rid of my anxiety. See, if I just take Xanax, they just take it in the evening, and then I shouldn't need the booze. But then I realized that you mix them together, it's just that much better. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, it, it didn't take long before I realized that just didn't work. There is no substitution. You can't substitute one for the other. 
you know, it's either all or nothing, you know. Because it's never one for another, not for me anyway. Yeah, I can't yeah. substitute one thing because if I try to get rid of one for another, I end up with two yeah. or three mm. or four. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, there is no substitution for me. And anyway. the other thing you mentioned was being, like, that you were awkward. And mm. so many people I meet in recovery, I think we're just all a bunch of awkward misfits. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we are here. You know what I mean? Because for me, I had a drink to make myself feel normal. You know what I mean? And not awkward and not anxious and not, you know, not afraid to go out and meet people. And you mentioned that. And I was like, man, he hit that nail right on the head right there. It's just that awkwardness. That I hear that more and more from people. And, um, you know, what, how long before you were in recovery did you realize that you don't, you don't need any of that? To, you know, you can just be you. And to not feel awkward. I mean, how, when did you, yeah, you, when did you start? Yeah, you the now, right? When did you start gaining, gaining, that, gaining that confidence back? That, you know that you don't need anything in your system to make you feel better about you or yourself or I would say uh, somewhere around ha halfway through the steps um, probably after step five I got some release some relief um, but step nine uh, is really when when things really started to change in my life when I when I realized that we're all we're all God's children we're all just doing the best that we can and uh, you know, I was on, I was on fire. I was just yeah. when you had to face the fears and yeah, exactly. Face people face to face and apologize and <laughs> yeah, and really get into it. Yeah. Step five yeah. when you had to, you had to tell your your life story to someone else. You know, things I thought I was going to take to the grave. Yeah. Um, I've 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 heard this uh, shared before, and and I absolutely agree. Uh, a problem shared is a problem cut in half. Yeah. Um, and that's that's why we need each other. We need each other. We can't do this alone. Um, I lean on people all the time. I mean, that's just that's a part of it. Um, and it's well worth it. Once you get that stuff off your chest, and it was hard for me too to re to trust somebody with my deepest darkest secrets, the things that I was using to justify and rationalize my use and my drinking. Now I had to get that out. But the moment I did. Man, it was like a big, a huge relief. And, and once I got it out and I started to get to know the people that I was telling and talking to, I realized that my stories weren't quite as bad as a lot of the ones I was hearing. So the, my fears were just my fears. I was judging myself. Y'all weren't judging me at all whatsoever. You know what I mean? And once I got that out with each step of me facing my fears, it seemed like I got stronger and stronger and it got easier and easier to... Uh, to open up, mm. you know what I mean? And now, you know, what I was using as a rationalization or a justification to drink and drug, um, I have a lot less of those, mm. if not any today, you know mm. what I mean? Mm. And that, that for me, is a powerful, powerful thing. Yeah. Well, let's, what do you think about switching around? Well, that's, that's the thing I was gonna mention is that I don't think you realized, um, but the last time we, that I was here, we, uh, we had a sponsor sponsee meeting. Yeah. And, um, this is a sponsor sponsee thing right here. Oh, this so. is another sponsor yeah. sponsee thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Huh? Yeah. You're not sponsoring? Oh, no. Mm -mm. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I'd be hella grateful if I could. <laughs> <laughs> this is just here, one of my best friends. Yeah. Uh, back okay. him up and I right. get to fall into talking. So that's always special, putting on the spot. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey, Ryan, uh, welcome to the world. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, how you doing? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I love, 
I love just listening to other people share all the time, man. Because, I mean, y'all's story is my story. It's always small differences, you know, but uh, it's always the same same ingrained deal, fear, uh, hopelessness, right? Um, and then hope, and then recovery. Um, and these things can happen. It can happen if you really, really want it to, right? You know, if you're willing to do whatever it takes, um, these suggestions. and um, Yeah, I mean... I grew up in a small little town in in Central Texas called Austin. I don't know if many people know about it, but uh, there's not a shortage huh, of things to get into. Um, and so at a young age, I was getting into as much as I could. I mean, it was already expressed about the awkwardness and, uh, you know, I just never felt like I fit in, right? Um, you know, I'm an old school ADHD riddling baby, right? You know, so I was all over the place also, you know, and uh, and so, you know, that, that didn't do too well for my self-esteem to begin with, right? And so, you know, at 11 years old, uh, you know, I, I get to hook up with a couple of guys that are couple years older than me were smoking you know some roaches right which I thought was real crazy because I mean I got roaches at my house and I've had for a while and I thought they were talking about roaches you know and I was like man y'all smoke roaches you know like, <laughs> this is crazy right but uh but willing to try it huh yeah but willing to try it because I wanted to fit in it's the bottom line right yeah. and uh and so when I did that um Man, when I when I smoked for the first time, I like it's been said, man, I had arrived, right? You know that social lubricant, man. I was, I was funny, I was smart, right? I could talk to these girls that were in the room, right? Um, I was able to do things that I would just sit in a corner and shake over, right? And yeah. uh, and so I grabbed that, but um, you know, with this program, um, and like so many other programs teach you, you know, is that uh, the selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of most of my problems, right? You know, and uh, and I could say even before the drugs and the drinking, I was a really selfish, self-centered individual. You know, I uh, same time that I started messing around with weed and booze and stuff, you know, I was already in uh, the juvenile detention you know, deal, right? You know, I got put on probation when I was 11 for stealing and lying and manipulating and doing these things, and I stayed in and out of that, right? Because uh, I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do, right? Absolutely. And, uh, and so consequences were a part of my, my story at a young age, right? But, you know, you don't know shit whenever you're young, you know? <laughs> so, um, but then I find alcohol and I find, you know, coke i find the pills i find the ecstasy the raves the girls i find whatever i can find to change the way i feel you know and that's just the bottom line um and then uh and then i start running into real consequences you know like loss of jobs and uh loss of households and uh you know a couple failed marriages and uh having the rights as a father taken away from me i mean some real consequences and and, uh, you know, when they talk about, you know, being put beyond human aid, I mean, uh, I was at that point at the end of mine. I mean, my daughter was not going to keep me sober, right? You know, the, the love of the, the wife, right? The family, the job, the everything, you know, like, uh, which was crazy because I wanted everything I could possibly do to stop at that point, right? You know, and, uh, and you know, I'm... I'm in tears sometimes when I'm loading that next bowl or I'm 
you know, drinking that next drink, because, I mean, I know, like, this is the problem right here, right, you know, and, uh, but once that drink hits my lips, once that smoke hits my lungs, man, you know, uh, you know, that phenomenon of craving kicks in, like they talk about, you know, and, and, and that's all I care about, man, that's, I'm gonna keep doing it, and then I don't think about the consequences, all I think about is the good times, however minute they might be, however short-lived they might be, um, until I end up, you know, waking up, you know, or coming out of a blackout or whatever it is, you know, full of remorse and fear and guilt. And, of course, when those feelings hit, man, I got to do it. I got to find a way to change that immediately. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm towards the end of mine, I mean, I was I was doing everything I could get, but I was a good, you know, I was a hardcore speed junkie, man, you know, and, uh, and I was running through it quite often. Uh, uh, for me, I found that 25th hour in the day, right, you know, so I could be extra productive, right, or at least that's what I was telling myself, and um, and it, it got me into a lot of places that I did not want to be in, um, with a lot of people that I should not have been with, and um, anyway, you know, it's, I had a pretty low bottom for myself, man, and when I found myself, you know, living in the backseat of somebody's house, um, I can't even see my daughter unless I scrounge together some, some money for a hotel room, if I can see my daughter, because they were talking about taking my rights as a father away, you know, uh, somebody, and it's, and it's crazy, the un most unlikeliest people, you know, are, are what helps plant that seed or helps get that going, right, you know, a guy that I used to run the streets with, right, shows up one day, um, and I guess he was probably doing some amends, I think, right, you know, but, uh, uh, he tells me he's six months sober, right, you know, and they went to treatment, and, uh, and he thinks that maybe that could help me out, too, right, and I'm like, okay, you know, I need to get some people off my back, right, it's it's like November at this time, so it's going to start getting cold, and when you're homeless, and the cold right. don't mix, right, mm -hmm. you know, so, uh, and the holidays are coming up, and you oh, need yeah, to, man. Yeah. you know, and so I, uh, so I got the opportunity to get a, uh, get uh, some state funding to get into uh, a treatment center out in Abilene and, uh, and that's where that gift of de desperation you know was born for me because um, you know when when I got to feel the feelings for the first time man uh, like there was nowhere else for me to go and I know it today to be my higher power working in my life because looking back in it man I'm born and raised in Austin for 34 years right I've never even driven through Abilene right and I'm three hours away from everything that I've ever known right and I get dropped off there. No money, no ride, no way out, right? And and I say this because, I mean, 24 hours in that treatment center, I threw the biggest fit you could possibly see in this hallway, right? You know, signed my discharge papers. I started hitting the block, and Abilene didn't know where I was, right? Toting this little suitcase around with me, right? You know, and it was awful, man. And, uh, when I realized there was no way out, man, I ended up going back to this treatment center. I'm like, hey, guys, you know, changed my mind, you know, like, they're like, come on in, Ryan, it's fine, you know, and, uh, uh, but I'm real grateful for the people uh, that came before me, right, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it's used a lot, man, that message of hope in, in the meetings and the people in recovery who share their story, uh, because without those people, I would not be here. Uh, today. Uh, my sobriety date is December 8th of 2015, which is just a crazy miracle in itself. But um, anyway, they would bring in meetings and they would bring us to meetings, right? And, and like it was said, um, 
you know, there's a lot of, about my story, man, that I was not willing to communicate to people. The things that I've done, the things that I've, you know, the places I've been, uh, you know, here are people sharing these same encounters, right? I mean, and I'm not going to lie, sometimes the people who share some stuff, right, you know, and I'm listening to them, and I'm like, man, I would not have said that, man. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to share, you know, something like that. But they did it, right, without any hesitation, and, uh, and it's where they, they, they were, right, what happened, and where they're at now, right, that changed my life, man. It completely gave me hope to do, do this deal. Uh, my dad, he's been sober for... He just picked up 25 years, right, you know, and, uh, and that was the fifth, first uh, vision of recovery in my life, right, you know, something tangible that I could see, right, because I've seen the change, um, and, uh, and so, uh, so back in 2013, before I decided to get sober, man, you know, all the lies coming out, you know, with my ex-wife, right, finding out about all my shady stuff that I'm doing, she kicks me out, and I have this opportunity uh, to come stay with him. And his, uh, his requirements were that, you know, that I go to meetings, right, and I got to stay sober, and, uh, but I wasn't willing to get honest about it, right? You know, I quit the hard stuff, right? I quit the drinking, the meth, and all the pills and stuff, but I wasn't willing to drop the weed, right? You know, so I was on that marijuana maintenance, right, you know, oh, thinking yeah. that it was all good, and, uh, yes. and the funny thing about that is, is like, you know, it's still changing the way I feel, right? And that yep. I have that physical allergy. It doesn't matter if it's booze, pills, you know, coke, whatever it is. I want more, right? And yep. um, and me not doing any steps to clear that wreckage of my past, right? To, to find out my shortcomings, the things that trigger me to want to get high or drunk, right? Um, I'm still just me, you know? And, uh, and I'm running on selfishness and, and, uh, and lying and being dishonest and... Uh, so nothing was changing, you know, and uh, anyway, you know, I, that lasted for like two months before I had another two-year run before I got brought down on my knees. I was willing to do whatever it took, and uh, that was the changing thing for me. I mean, that was the whole game changer for me. I mean, when I, you know, the literature talks about, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, alcohol, you know, being a, a great persuader, right, you know, that I've been uh, uh, brought to a state of reasonableness, right, that I've been broken enough to where I'm willing to listen to spiritual terms and try something different. I mean, I had to get to that place where nobody wanted me around. I had nothing to go for, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, all I thought about was death. I thought that the only way I was going to get out from underneath all this was to die, um, that I was willing to do what was suggested. And there were some pretty steep suggestions, man, like getting honest, right, and, uh, you know, doing some work. I mean, I'm lazy by nature, to be honest with you. That's one of my defects, man. I will sit around all day if you let me, right, you know. And, uh, but, um, but they said if you do these things, you know, like your life will change, and, uh, and, and I believed them, right. And so I started doing whatever it took for my recovery. And, Man, my, I mean, I'm here a little over five years sober, right? You know, my life has changed. My family want me back in their lives, right? Awesome. You know, I get to see my little girl whenever I want to. Got this awesome job. Uh, but most important, I got that peace of mind today, right? Like, I don't feel like I have to die. I don't feel like I need to be anybody other than myself, right, to fit in or, or, or to hang out, right? Um, I just get to be me, and I have that peace and serenity that they promise you uh, if you do what's suggested, right, if you do that work, um, 
and it's crazy, right? You know, like, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, you know, it's like, man, if I could have done this a long time ago, you know, but it takes what it takes, and that's just the bottom line. Sometimes yeah. it takes a little bit more, um, but I'm pretty grateful for it, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, sometimes we got to go out and test the theory. Oh, man, <laughs> oh, man, you know, sometimes yeah. I know I'm right, so yeah. I'm wrong, you know, yeah. I realize I'm wrong. So. Yeah. I don't yeah. realize I'm wrong until, you know, I've lost something. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. your story is really inspiring to me because I'm like you. I had the wife and the kids and the job and the money and the house, and it was not enough. Mm -mm. You're absolutely right. And another thing that I found very interesting, other than all of it, uh, one of the most important things I feel like people need to know that you quit the hard stuff. And I did this too, and I feel like maybe all of us, you quit the coke, the speed, you know, the alcohol you said, but you wanted to maintain with weed. You weren't willing to let it all go. Mm -hmm. And with what some people would consider an innocent drug, right? Weed yeah. is an innocent drug. Yeah. But with the weed came the negative lifestyle, yeah. the lying, the manipulating, the cheating, the isolation, right? To not being able to pass drug tests so you're not going to thrust forward like you, should, like you can today in sobriety. Yep. And even if you were to remove the weed and all the hard drugs but still lying and manipulating and cheating, mm -hmm. you're still not living in true recovery yep. and, and planting the positive seeds in life that you're ultimately going to reap back in return. Yeah, one um, of the biggest things I heard in a meeting one time, man, is that uh, just because I removed the drugs and the booze, I'm still stuck with me. That's mm -hmm. it. Right, you know, that's, and, that's and, it right there. and that's the problem. I'm, I'm the problem when it comes to my recovery, right? My old ways, my old thinking. Um, and that's another thing that somebody had shared in a meeting, like, you don't have to change much, you just got to change everything. And, and, it's, and it's laughable, right? You know, but, uh, but when you crave a life better than what you've been living, right, and you're willing to do whatever it takes, right, it's crazy how quickly things will change, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, man, you know, like, uh, I had to stop lying. You know, even the little things, right? You know, just the little things. Yeah, man. Um, it's real easy to go ahead and just shy off of the big things, man. But those little things, like I was sharing in in the office earlier, you know, um, I got to be mindful of that, right? And uh, and I love these steps, man. These steps give me an opportunity to work on myself, um, and being of service to other people, right? You know, in the meantime, which is just another thing. I mean, who would have known that I could be a service to other people today, right? When all I wanted to take out of life is what I could take out of life, you know? That's it. And yeah. the service to other people, I feel like, is what ultimately in the end keeps you sober yep. and maintaining. Right. You know, like you were saying, the program asks that you help others without return. But for me, yeah, I don't expect anything in turn, but I do it. I do stay sober out of it. Yep. So I'm getting the biggest thing out of helping others. I mean, I don't expect your um, money or to, you don't owe me anything but I do get the, the biggest return I get is making myself you know help other people make myself the own project my own project you know what I mean yeah yeah, but, yeah Ryan you said um, you know your dad's got 25 years of sobriety which is a long time yeah. how long ago do you think that you um, had that thought of yourself maybe I need that or maybe I you know what I mean like that maybe I'm the same, you know what I mean? How long ago? Well, I don't know about, I mean, I don't know about, 
I need to be the same, but I can remember being sitting in jail doing like a three month stint when I was like 14, right? You know, and, and going to their little public little community library and there's this big book sitting there and I can remember thinking, man, I should read this so maybe I could better communicate with my dad. He would like that, right? You know, and, uh, and uh, I start flipping through these pages and I'm like, oh no. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe there was too much truth in there, right? At such an early age, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. but uh, you know, my mind, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't that bad, right? Like those yets that they talk about, right? You know, like I had my image of this alcoholic or severe drug addict, right? Was that person living under a bridge, right, with the paper sack, and mm -hmm. you know, they're 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 you know, skin and bones and, you know, whatever the stereotype I had in my mind, I wasn't, I was nowhere near that, right? So I didn't need this, you know, and, uh, and it's crazy because, you know, you put a little bit of time under my belt after a while, man, I was that person, man, living <laughs> yeah. in the backseat of somebody's car. I went to treatment weighing 119 pounds, y'all. I mean, I was, I was in bad shape. I was walking death, right? You know, and, uh, and I was, was willing to say okay yeah this, this <laughs> might be me right you know but uh but I can tell you that uh having him uh as an example right you know even when he was the one that was like telling me the crap I didn't want to hear right he's like man you need to stop being so selfish and lying all the time maybe your life would get better maybe it's the drinking and the drugging that's causing all these problems and I'm like ah oh, whatever dad you know rah, 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 you know and uh but uh, knowing um, that here's this example, you know, like it, what these steps do and, and, and what recovery can offer you, um, you know, that definitely was in the back of my head, right? But I don't know about y'all, though, man. I'm still my dad, though, right? So I wasn't yeah. going to listen to him, right? Yeah. But um, when I got ready, man, the right people showed up and, and, and spoke their message of recovery that I was able to relate to. And, and and then you said that a friend came to you, and he had six months of sobriety, mm -hmm. and was that was that right before you went to treatment the, that first time? Yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, yeah, 2015, and that was about six, seven weeks, maybe. Before. In hindsight, that must have sound, feel, felt like a godsend. Like, oh, it's definitely yeah. a higher power thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, it, and, you know, and, and I say this with a heavy heart, you know, but that individual has gone back out, but, like, uh, you can't you can't predict who's going to be the message that right. you need to yeah. hear right i mean if even if you're still drunk or sober or you know drunk or, or messed up right uh, if you've got a little bit of aa in your head sometimes you might be able to send a message to somebody if you got one day sober That's you've it. got enough to share with somebody else too you know um yeah, I don't. I don't ever knock the person who's. You're not supposed to to look at the messenger. You're supposed to listen to the message, and and that was one of those those definite. Mm -hmm. That's a yeah, that's, that's a big deal, story. you know. And that just goes to show that no amount of recovery goes wasted. His yep. short term recovery has been a five year recovery for you. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and your recovery, I'm sure, is is in, impacted many lives. You, your families, for sure. Definitely. You know, and that can all go back to him. Yeah. 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 It's crazy because uh, I was yeah. having a conversation with somebody, right? And uh, and my little girl, she's nine, right? And 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 when I got sober, I mean, she was four years old, so she's never really seen me really drunk, right? That she could probably remember, right? But this person was talking about 
guy that I was talking to was talking about having maybe going out to have a drink or something, right? And she was like right there. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. My, my daddy does not drink. Right? You know? And it's like, yeah. it's like, that's a gift right there. Yeah. Like, you know, my child knows, right? And, and whether she's sober or ends up, you know, uh, getting in this lifestyle or not, you know, who's to tell? Because, I mean... I grew up in an alcoholic household, right, mom and dad, right, you know, but uh, my sister, she's just fine, right, yeah. you know, uh, you never know, but uh, I'm real grateful that she, I'm around to let her know that this place is here if you need to, you know, Absolutely. if you need that. How do you crazy. feel about the genetic uh, ideas of... I just, I don't know, you know, yeah. I can't say uh, yay or nay on it, I just know that uh, for me, um, you know, there was a lot of take it or leave it moments in my life at an early age right um you know but i know that once you cross that line when it becomes yeah. dependent uh there's very little that can be done for you that's you right. know uh, once that phenomenon of craving and yeah <laughs> and then you know the literature talks about lack of power man and, and i really had to get to that point to where i realized you know i'm powerless over this stuff yeah like yeah, like it was mentioned about, you know, just doing the weed and stuff. I mean, you know, once you get that stuff in your system, man, you're trying to change the way you feel, man. You're powerless. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I know people have gone back out on vanilla extract, you know. I mean, the, yeah. the stuff, shoe polish remover, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. crazy stuff. And uh, it's, uh, it's nuts. But... So what? Uh... <laughs> I'm baffled that at this entire time, you know, I thought I thought you guys were sponsor sponsee, but um, <laughs> how did you guys meet in recovery? When did you guys remember when you met? It's actually funny because I knew his dad before I knew Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I used to go to the meeting up here at uh, Paxile Church, and <clears throat> his 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 dad's kind of intimidating at first, and he'd always come up to me, you know, get real close, and be like. You had your ass kicked today, boy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, you know, like, <laughs> who's this guy? Uh, but man, he's a big old teddy bear once you get to know him. Um, and he was just always one of those guys, because it was a meeting, you know, close by the house, and so I was always there. Uh, and then just one time I went to Back to Basics, and I don't even know. Um, I don't even remember technically the first time we went, but I remember asking, asking your dad, uh, I think I know your your son. He's like, oh yeah, he goes back to basics. Anyway, uh, I don't actually remember the first time we. I don't know, man, but it's just going to the meetings that built a relationship, and then really getting into service uh, uh, at a at a level um, that we really started really spending a lot of time together, and then traveling for conventions and and get-togethers. I mean. Uh, I cannot overstress that you can have so much fun in recovery. Like, Dude, so much fun. I have in the recovery. most fun in recovery. Yeah. 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 And how many friends you make. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you. One's worth having. Quality yeah. friends. Quality friends. Yeah. And ones that you can really relate, relate to on so many levels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the best, man, to, to load up in the car, hit the road, man, go somewhere for the weekend where a message of recovery is happening and uh, mm. meeting other people and games and going out to eat and just all these things that. At one point, I didn't think, you know, there's no way I can enjoy life without something, right? You know, yeah. something going on, right? And uh, here I am living life, my best life, if you wish, you know? Like, uh, it's, it's really damn good today. Yeah, you know? I remember yeah. having those fears in rehab where I was like, 
Am I ever going to enjoy fishing again? Yeah, yeah. barbecuing or, or yeah. bowling yeah. or yeah. anything <laughs> or anything really. Yeah, I mean, yeah everything. Everything was like revolved around that. Yeah, you know? I'm an avid disc golfer, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm all about the disc golf. You know, and uh, and uh, you know, stereotypically, that's nothing but a boozing and and, yeah. a, and a smoking kind mm-hmm. of sport, right? Yeah. And uh, and for a long time, I didn't know if I could get back into that, but. Uh, Man, I rallied up some people, right? We got we got some people in recovery. We do weekend trips to go out of town to go do that, and, and it's something that I love that I still get to do. I mean, you can do anything that you used to do sober, right? You know, um, if you truly want to. I mean, if that's something yeah. that you want. And to And honestly, do. it ends up being more enjoyable. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Dude. Yeah, and I don't have to lie about my scores and stuff neither, man. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. pretty sweet. It's funny because it's like having those thoughts of like, am I ever gonna, how am I ever gonna go golfing or go fishing? And it's like, I never did that shit when I was drinking all the time, anyways. Like, who am I kidding? (laughs) When you did, you weren't any good. Yeah, yeah. Who am I kidding though? It's like I, I was. Posted up in my house with the doors shut, just drinking myself. To yeah, death. it wasn't yeah. even about the sport; it was yeah. about the alcohol. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And once you once you remove the alcohol, it actually becomes about the sport and the friends and actually the quality time that you spend. Yeah. And for me, I ended up, I end up enjoying everything more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Life's more enjoyable. Yeah, that's for sure. You get to make plans and follow through, but man, because I used to make plans all the time and. Come time to go, man. I'd be geared out in the closet. So, yeah. all right, you know, I ain't doing, going. Yeah, I ain't doing nothing. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> yeah. sit here for the next two days. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was awesome, man. Yeah, that was awesome. That was, uh, we're just about out of time. So, um, I don't know. Do you feel like y'all could have done it without the program? If what, do you have any suggestions for listeners? No, uh, I had no hope. I had no hope. Um, being in the rooms, you know, it, it gave me hope. Um, short, short answer is no, there's no way. Uh, no. It's impossible for a person like me. I was beyond human aid. There was nothing that I could do to stay sober. Um, but I can tell you, once I got a little taste taste of it, and I got to... Uh, I got some of that relief, man. I was I was ready to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And, Would you uh, agree that the first step is the hardest? Like just getting into the room and realizing that it's not as they're not judging you. They're not, you know. Man, by the time I got into the got into the rooms, I had step one. I yeah. mean, I just I knew I couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, I knew I didn't have the power. I mean, because I, I had tried it every day for. And it's so funny because in my head it feels like an eternity, but it was really just that last year uh, of just hardcore drinking. Um, yeah. But I, I made that that conscious decision every day uh, that I wasn't going to drink. And uh, you know, I, I didn't have a vehicle. Well, I did have a vehicle, but I stopped taking care of it. wasn't really running. So I just and and I wouldn't. Uh, my hygiene was gone. Like I had a full Duck Dynasty beard. And uh, oh man, I was sporting it hardcore. And I'd walk, you know, about half a mile. And we lived in Oregon, so it was always raining. And I remember going in the rain and the snow. And it was really just a walk of shame because I didn't want to do it. Uh, I didn't want to do it, but it was—I didn't know what else to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, alcohol was the was the love of my life, you know. You know, it's uh, kind of funny that you said that you felt like you had no direction with alcohol, and ultimately it was the alcohol that directed you to the rooms. Mm. I found this thing that gave me power and, and direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I hear people 
talk about, you know, they, they could do this without any sort of program of recovery or, you know, they can do it on their own willpower. And, and you know, if they think they can do that, more power to them. I, but I know for myself that I could not do this on my own. And without a program of recovery or the support and guidance of other alcoholics and my higher power, I would have been dead or dying, you know. Yeah. And, and, and that's what, you know, you need that, you know. And I... So, yeah, I would suggest definitely well, yeah, using I, some sort of program of recovery. I think that, uh, I know for me, man, it had all to do with the work, right? You know, yeah. cause I can, I mean, the book, the literature talks about faith without works is dead, right? You know, and I can have all the faith in, in the world in something, right? You know, mm -hmm. um, but for me, I needed to do the work, the footwork that was involved in the steps, right? Um, you know, they talk about how it works, right, that honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, I needed to have these things, right, um, need to be willing to do whatever it takes, man, and, and, and those steps are laid out for someone like me to go ahead and, and look at me, make the necessary adjustments, and ask um, this power greater than myself today, right, you know, to help me with that because I'm powerless, you know, or else, yeah. I mean, if I would have had power to change the things that I wanted to change a long time ago, I wouldn't have came into recovery and things oh, no. would have been just all good, right? <coughs> you know, um, but I just know that the program is, uh, has helped someone like me, um, and then that message of hope, man, the fellowship, fellowship's crazy, Fellowship's cray-cray. I love it, man. You know, you got some, <laughs> some crazy people, man, that you will yeah. find in these rooms and that will love you into recovery. And, uh, oh, yeah. and it's, uh, I don't know, uh, without without this program, I'd be dead today. I know that for a fact. No doubt. Yeah, I feel that way, too. Yeah. Right. Well, good. Uh, I'm ready to close it up, man. Thanks for having us. Spotify, does any, anybody else want to add anything before we... Get off air. Thank no. Ryan, and Ryan and Randy for joining us. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Randy. Thank <laughs> thank you very much. All right, we'll see y'all next time. Thank you.